Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Culture Nerd Podcast. We are going to be nerding out today with the writer and artist for the Digital Lizards of Doom Volume 3, Dana Deathly uh, Volume. Uh, we'll be here today with uh, writer Gabriel Valentin and artist Sherry Lingell. We're going to jump right into it. We're going to talk about Volumes 1 and 2, why you should be reading it if you're not, and how to jump on the Kickstarter for number 3. So... Strap in, everyone. Here we go. We're jumping into a book today. So just like Steve from Blue's Clues, Blue's can do, we can do, we. Yeah. yeah, you watched that more than I did as a kid. I was like, nah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had younger sisters, so Blue's Clues played a lot in the household. So, yeah. I think my youngest brother liked it. Um, we were... Michael and I, you, we grew up in the Barney age of kids' cartoon, kids' shows. Then that kind of like stopped. I don't yeah, know. there's not, I don't know. There's still puppets. They're in different ways. Uh, we've had a wonderful chance to speak with these two. So we don't, we, we need to start the show proper. But I, as this question is in my mind now, have you decided to make puppets for these characters yet? Are there felt versions of these characters alive in the world yet? Oh my God, Michael, do you not know? What do you mean? There's puppets. Where are there already puppets? Because the whole time I was reading this, I was like, "Man, these would be some bomb ass puppets." Because of the yeah. way that the the text happens, I was like, "You could have puppets. You could do this uh, as." I got a lot of Super Nintendo vibes as well, especially with oh, the text yeah. boxes. Very um, like, like Star, Star Fox. Fox? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you for I, saying it at the same time as me. <laughs> I was thinking a lot of like those uh, those JRPGs where you have like the text box and the anime characters just moving their mouth, but like oh, yeah. the background is like the like the Persona games or Star oh. Ocean or any of those games that did that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. I that's what I went to when I was reading it. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance was the first Final Fantasy game that I bought myself. By the way, Final Fantasy is a huge inspiration as well. And like um, I remember, I remember like the there was like these faces and they were like. And then, like, I just remember, you know, they they kind of had whatever they were saying mimicked their their uh, their facial expression, and I remember like, that's gonna, I don't know. And this is, I don't know how old I was, like nine, ten. I just remember being like, yeah, this is gonna play a role in my life somehow. And here, so this is a core memory. That's what this is. <laughs> like, I'm I'm remembering this. Those art styles, even as a kid, you don't know that you're choosing a palette yet, but sometimes those things they just grab you they hook line and sinker carrie what are the video games that grabbed you what are the things that like stick out in your mind that you're like oh boy i want to draw like that someday so specifically um uh, we got a playstation one for christmas when i was a kid and my favorite game ever of all time was the spyro games pretty much yeah like reignited and i remember my mom used to come up to me and we had to do this project for school where we had to write about our hero and she didn't proofread my work and I brought it to class and I wrote about Spyro the Dragon and my teacher was extremely confused, but <laughs> he, was a, <laughs> he was my, he was my biggest inspiration. Um, I love the artwork of it and even the reignited trilogy they did. I'm blown away. I was so good. Uh, my son played the crap out of those games because I like my little squirrel on this one was I bought one of those PSP goes like the all digital one that we had like flipped up like a phone. And when my son was like, three or four at the time i loaded all my old ps1 games like spyro crash bandicoot all that stuff 
I threw them all in there and I was like, all right, when you, we're driving, just play this so you can like not scream in the car. And he got like, <laughs> he was like, I beat all the Crash Bandicoots. I'm like, I haven't beat them all. How did you do that? <laughs> but you know, Spyro was like his favorite thing. So when the Reunited trilogy came out, he saw it and he's, he was like 10 or 11 at the time. And he's like, dad, it's here now. And I'm like, it is. Should we buy it? <laughs> <laughs> now did your love of spyro get you into any of the the highlander figures what was spyro's oh, franchise called yeah the skylanders ones? yeah so um i do have every single skylanders figure <laughs> yeah okay, every right. single one <laughs> yeah uh, now every, a huge fan every spyro figure or every skylander figure every skylanders figure okay so where are they <laughs> Are they in the other room? Is it on the other side of the camera? Where do you keep them? Are they in boxes unopened? Where do you keep them? They are currently in a box in my closet. Um, and it's to labeled something totally different on the outside. But um, I so, absolutely loved those games so much. So robbers won't know where they are. You wrote baby clothes <laughs> on the outside. So if they see it, they go, I don't want this. Yeah, that game was awesome. Yeah, we, we got carried away. <laughs> uh, could you, did you have to open all of them? Or can you just put the box on the on the reader? Um, uh, you probably could, but we opened every single one of them. The right. only one we didn't open was there's a race car one that was like special and we thought it might be worth something, but I've been tempted to even open it now. Uh, last question. Did this addiction start right when everything came out? So you were able to keep up or a couple years in, you had to start going on eBay to hunt down the figures that you couldn't get at your local Toys R Us. Oh, I was right in the fire while it was going on. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> great. Okay, good. That's the best way to like to do it, I think. Um, to be like, I don't know. I, I do that a lot of the times too. And now I've kind of had some issues with certain... Like I had bought... Michael, bring this up. I tracked down all of the Batman and Superman covers for back when the movie first came out. And then a, like a year, like a few months back, I was like, I'm missing like 10 covers. So I went through and went like magic of eBay and I found not even, I think there's like 10 total. I think I was missing like four covers. And then in the process of doing that, I ended up buying a cover that I already had. So now I have two of the same one. So I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> eBay fail on my part because I don't pay attention to what I own. <laughs> you have uh, officially ascended into um, cult uh, fandom at that point when you have two collectible covers. Yeah, so. well. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about later on this little makeup desk that my wife put in the office because it couldn't fit in our room. I think I'm going to turn that into a Zack Snyder shrine and get some candles <laughs> and like I'm going to have all the comics lining it up and like kind of make like the, uh, the like a Day of the Dead uh, Lafrenda and just do it with Zack Snyder. But he's not dead. He's obviously just like yeah. But it's going to happen eventually. I'm going to like tip off the deep end and go full cult status. <laughs> I, have, I have mine. I have my uh, I have my producer shirt um my uh justice league producer shirt and then i have all of it all of his movies and oh, then, i have so many of those shirts it's not I, even funny i just need to find some uh zach zach schneider uh candles like mother mary candles <laughs> oh you they're out there they have to be out there because i was in this one toy store it was like this um this like i don't know it's like a, a one of those like retro kind of toy stores where you buy like all those knickknack kind of a toys all the collector like high-end tin signs and lunch boxes, all that stuff. And uh, I found this section that was just all of those kind of candles. And I was, um, I found one of Keanu Reeves 
And I was like, Steph, my, I told my wife, I'm like, should we just buy a bunch of these? <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> Apparently, uh, I offended her because she's uh, Hispanic and like Catholic. So like, I was like, I gotta get all these candles. She's like, you're not taking my life seriously. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> but here's one of Arnold Schwarzenegger dressed as Conan. Can I not get this one? <laughs> oh, Conan. Beautiful. Conan is the Conan is the series you bring non like comic book people that aren't comic book people like comic books aren't art. I don't even know what you're talking about. You're like, yo, let me just show you this Conan shit. Cause the Conan stuff feels so, uh, so much of that art has moved into other mediums now that like, it's like, Oh, you mean this game of Thrones comic book that you just showed me that looks all like real people. Yeah. See, yeah. Like right stuff right there, you look at that stuff and you're like, there's a world in that picture. Yeah. I love Robert E. Howard. Um, I, I got way into Conan right before I started uh, writing <clears throat> D-Lot, actually. I was, I've always been a fan of Samurai Jack and, you know, uh, Akira um, and like all of these epic uh, myth- mythological adventure stories and that format of like short story kind of stuff and so a friend of mine was like oh you should read conan and i was like oh i know all about conan i've seen the movies i've read the comics he's like no you gotta read the original like robert e howard's conan and then i'm like okay so i started reading it and i was like oh shit this is amazing (laughs) like it is crazy town how much like star there's star wars stuff in there there's uh, a ton of Samurai Jack. I didn't realize how much Samurai Jack pulled from Conan. Like there's there's short stories that are like literally just Samurai Jack episodes. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Like, yeah, so I love that like short story epic fantasy stuff. And yeah, it's very chewable. Like you're saying, it's it's like it's a good thing to show somebody if if they're just like, eh, I'm not really into that stuff. It's like, no, like think you are if you like cool shit (laughs) (laughs) i have not read the conan books but i'm excited to now like put that down i'm like oh i should like read these books that being said i did get bit real hard by the dune bug uh and read all of the dad's (laughs) dune books and much like you being like oh this is star wars yeah does george lucas do do they know that george lucas stole all this shit from this guy like that kept happening to me a bunch of times while reading those books well no i mean so i was watching i my dad loves uh dune dune was like his his go-to and even as a kid he was like you need to read this book and i'm like all right i'll read this book with you dad and um so last night uh we're at uh, my my sister's birthday party and after they were all getting ready to go out and do their uh clubbing thing my dad's like, all right, I'm bored. I'm like, well, let's watch a uh, book of Boba Fett. You haven't watched it yet. And I, I think I watched first four episodes with him. And he's like, after we're done watching, he's like, is Tatooine Arrakis? And I'm like, yeah, it is. And he's like, <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense now. He's like, as soon as they, they tipped over the spice train, I was like, hmm, what's happening here? I'm like, yeah, George Lucas said flat out Dune inspired him for Star Wars. Like that was a huge, huge thing. Yeah. So Dune is wonderful. Carrie, what is your book series that's just like Star Wars, but you didn't know that until you read it? A book series? Oh, um, does the original Mobile Suit Gundam manga count? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was yeah. the closest thing I read to Star Wars, even people like people character wise. 
I wonder if there was something in the water because there's no way that those two gentlemen knew what was going on, but like channeled so many of those ideas and stuff like that because right. Star Wars is a bunch of dudes and right. All the bad guys are like real nice suits and stuff like that. And Gundam has a lot of people in suits and different suits and fancy <laughs> yeah. suits and suits with real. There's a lot of suits. I in feel Gundam. like even in like, um, if you look at a whole bunch of different Gundams back and forth to the timeline of star Wars and Gundam, they just keep stealing things from each other <laughs> yeah. like going back yeah. and forth. It's really yeah. interesting. So Michael and I did a show. One of our first uh, trial run shows was about Gundam, 100%, because I love the Gundam franchise. And Ooh. before we started the show, I was telling Michael that I'm like, well, now I have four Gundam models that have not been opened or prepped. So I just, I'm, I'm collecting them now. Like yeah. I've got my uh, <laughs> my Gundam Factory 1100, oh, wow. Mark 78. Then They're I bought so the, uh, pretty. The boxes, even if I don't do no, anything, I, keep I just the boxes. want to look at the, box. the boxes. Yeah. All of the box covers in this desk right here, I keep all of them. Yeah. yeah. And then I got the uh, the G-Doc version, which is the one where you build them and he has the dock. So it's like, <gasps> oh, that one's so I was sick. like, dope. Great. Um, I bought the uh, the Gundam Death Scythe, the, the one from the manga. Ooh. So he's got the white helmet and he's like super different looking. And then the one I bought yesterday at Target, uh, which a I was fully, like, a fully publisher note, make those white helmets. It's way easier when we have to print them. We don't have to ink it yeah. all that stuff. It's a lot <laughs> less. I at, yeah. I was at Target. I'm like, I got to buy that shit. And I bought the real grade X yet just because I'm like, this is a cool one. So, Do you have just, a favorite mobile suit? <clears throat> I, I know that's know. a big question to ask. Um, it's so difficult question. because it changes year to year. Um, and so it, there are so many of these and you can speak to this because you're bringing different artists for all of your different comic books. There's sort of this interpretation of the Gundam over time. I know it sounds, I hate to say it, but like that endless waltz Gundam zero with the wings. It's so just everything. It's a <laughs> hero. It's this thing. It's the counter to the evil. Um, I really okay, like so that Michael, stuff. I'm going to break your brain a little bit. Um, yeah. So when Endless Waltz came out, they didn't explain anything, right? Right. And then uh, what they ended up doing, I just ripped my, my earpiece out. They ended up releasing a comic, a manga, uh, like 10 years later. They're like, by the way, let's give some backstory to all those weird-ass designs. And they released it, uh, Gunwing, Gun like Endless Waltz, uh, Glory of the Losers. And in this story, it basically retells all of Gundam Wing, but like, with the new designs and they go like full on heavy into some of the changes that they make. Um, the wings actually came from the tall geese. Like the tall geese had the wings after hero like messes him up and his wing zero gets messed up. He basically takes all the pieces from the tall geese and makes his new Gundam zero with the wings. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love the backstory. I it's want that. even better when you find out that they're Frankensteining these things yeah. together. Yeah. Um, I mean, the tall geese with the wings was pretty rad. And let me see if I can, is it in the, the volume that I have? Or am I got the Gundam Wing? The Gundam Wing Gundams always stick out in my mind, but um from the original show, I always liked Gun Cannon. It always felt like a Mega Man boss or something. Like there was just something <laughs> about that like I really dug. And um Yeah, Cut Man and Gun Cannon on round two. Like Yeah, yeah. And and then also uh any of Shars Gundams, they're always red, they're always a little bit different, they always feel customized. Every time I see whatever new thing he's going to blow up humanity with, I'm always like, oh, that's delicious. <laughs> uh, what, Gundams, what Gundams stick in your mind? Um, the Barbados Lupus Rex is my absolute favorite. But right, I, I, was, a... I was actually going to say, like, when I was looking at, around all my Gundams, 
uh, the Barbatos was probably one of my top ones just because of how weird his his like mid section is. I'm like, I'm like, it's not practical, but it's fucking dope. <laughs> See it every time. And then I have a soft spot for the Zaku too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the Barbatos the one from or- Blood Orphans? Yeah, yep. that's the one yeah. right here. It's like a you know we were talking earlier of uh of our of our love for the imagery from three hundred and both of which are imageries there. The Barbatos's imagery, it's like a Greek god, and it kind of gets built up a little bit more and built up a little bit more, and you get to see it in its regalia, but then eventually it gets stripped down again, and it's still like this elemental being. You know what I mean? It's like I'm either gonna kill you with these things or this guy's gonna come and get you. There's just so many things going on. Right. And that's I'm, a very new Gundam design. That's very new to the canon of Gundam, and it feels like it should have always been there. Yep. Just so that people understand what we're talking about, let me pull up a picture of Barbatos Lupus Rex, just because I know that this is He's the way awesome. we're we're going with this. <laughs> I need to have visuals. Just as a point, just as like, a point of reference, about? so people can see what it is. And I, you know, it's funny as. Uh, the Barbatos also has tall geese vibes and kind of that yes, sort yeah, of. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, like look at look at that. Look He's at that guy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I loved that tail. And it was just like, I'm like, okay, that thing is just, that's excessive. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> uh, I haven't seen all of Gundam. I've seen as much Gundam as I can. I, I pick up on it when I can. Uh, that. Uh, that first time was the first time I was like, oh, Gundam is bringing in those Evangelion elements. Mm-hmm. There's some m- magic in the sauce here of these robots that we don't completely understand, but it's there. And I was very down for that. I was like, yep, let's let's have that be in the thing. Where does uh, where does a uh, Stargazer Gundam fit into all that stuff? Oh, I got him Stargazer. <laughs> that's, that's the one. I, that's the one I'm like most familiar with. Um, that's not the. Oh, that was Gundam Seed, wasn't it? Is that the one with the big ring around his back? Yeah, that's a big ring around his back. Yes, yeah, so, I don't know. I have a that's such a love hate relationship with Gundam Seed because <gasps> Gundam Seed was the first Gundam anime that they were like, let's just go full anime trope with this, and it got weird. It was like all the whole cast are like 14-year-old kids who just magically know how to use it. It's like, I was like, all right, this is weird. Um, <laughs> but it has fair, some great designs. F- children have nothing in their heads yet. They haven't learned anything. Your baby beat Crash Bandicoot, no problem. I get like a 13-year-old being like, I am the master of this robot now. I don't need I the know this argument in a way that makes sense. I just need to, I need to acknowledge my frustration with that show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, no, Taylor it had some beautiful designs, and it was probably one of the first shows that they actually made the beam saber like make like scientific sense, where the beam yeah. saber actually had an enclosure on each side, so it was kind of like like the blade lit in inside of it. I'm like, okay, that well, that makes sense. That's how you would actually make a laser sword. Um, yeah. All right, well, good for you guys. I'm so mad <laughs> at your character designs, but I love the suits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some uh, I I don't know how hard Ryan Reynolds can try to get himself into Star Wars. He's done like three movies now where lightsabers show up. Like multiple movies now, lightsabers keep showing up. I don't know how the next lightsaber shows up, but he really wants a lightsaber. I want him to have a lightsaber too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we segued a lot into different things. Let's talk about the comic. 
Yeah. Uh, Let's get right into it. Um, do you love I first, I first got it. I'm going to probably rip the earpiece out of my earpiece. I first got it actually was the one that you sent me, Gabe. Um, and I love it. And I even got the little sticker that I yeah. slapped in there. And I use that as a bookmark because I don't want to, I don't want to use it. Because <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and even like we'll put your name in there it was really nice um i love this to death it was so weird it's so cool um i loved how when the first one ended i remember first reading it and i'm like no that can't be the way they stop like i need to know now what's happening that's like it was the most unfair cliffhanger that i had in a book in a long time that's that makes me so happy dude what's really cool too humble or not humble brag because i'm bragging about lesson of comics but like um, what's it called when you brag about your publisher? Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, Rest of publisher. Comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> comics is awesome. And the books are going to be coming out a lot faster. So like book three, um, without getting into too much weird stuff that happened with the last publisher, lesser known comics isn't messing around. So we're like, we have like a pretty tight schedule and they're also helping me with a lot of things. So like book three, um, we don't have a hard, fast date for like store release. But anyone who backs the Kickstarter for level three, you're probably going to get it in May or June. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot May, faster. May, yeah, May at the earliest, um, but definitely June. So, um, and then book four comes out at the end of this year. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't announce the next artist until like book, the net, the whole book is like done its, done its thing, you know, kind of thing. Um, but then book five six and seven are looking like they're all in production right now so five six and seven are probably coming out next year all three in the same year wow. so, so that was going to actually segue to my next question is how many books total do you have planned are you going to do like like the thing with lost where you're like we have six seasons and we're done or are you going to be like one piece and like we're a thousand episodes in and we're never going to finish like uh, <laughs> no there is so here's here's something that is kind of spooky at least to me i don't know if it like if it's that cool to anybody else but the ending of the final book is book eight um and uh right now it's called final boss um and the it's the second book i wrote so i wrote i actually so book two is technically book one i wrote book two first then i was trying to pitch it to somebody a couple different publishers and I got some producers involved to help like flesh out the story a little bit more. And they were like, you can't release this cause, or you could, but like book, like, I mean, think about book two, book two really hasn't changed that much, but they were like, um, it, it, it makes no sense. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. You need, you need a, an introduction. You need like a pilot one and you don't you don't need it, but I understand why they said that. But you also did a George Lucas thing. Star Wars doesn't explain to you spaceships. It doesn't say, oh, well, these people met. No, you go right into the adventure That's and you start with some right. But these guys that's where book so because book like I said, it was book one come out. So it's like I can just make Already, like nothing changed at all. It was just I, I had stuff came from. So that's why I against book one. I love book one. That guy, like the other stuff. That's 
book one is, I would say, a pilot one of a TV show. It's very much like catch up, catch up, catch up, catch up, we'll build like going on, this is what's going on. And then like right after that, it's like, all right, like here's where we can have like here's the world. You guys know the characters now, like let's dive in. And and so but so yeah, I mean I love it was an amazing experience reading that, but or but it was like definitely a uh episode zero almost of mm. The series, and then, but then, book eight is what we wrote right after book two, um, and so the ending for book eight has been written, and book eight was finished in um, two thousand eighteen, I think. Mm. Yeah, the la- the fa- final page, and it has not changed. The final page for book eight has the dialogue that they say has not changed at all. Um, the conversation with the characters that are still there like is the same it's always been so it's kind of it's kind of uh it's kind of spooky what's going on over here nothing you we're we're having some connection issues with you and we're secretly typing it but you can see all of our typing so it's not very secret yeah no Um, so when you were explaining it um you had some you were dipping in and out of the audio a little bit i'm like is my computer broken no what's happening oh no so now it kind of like sounds it. like you were talking about spoilers and we were censoring it all. So it kind of works out. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's very cryptic. The fans will have to really deep dive through this one. Um, that's so funny that you said that. Um, I was watching videos about Buster Keaton making comedy movies and they would come out with a really strong idea and know what the ending was, but just fit, say, oh, the middle will figure itself out. And it's interesting that that idea is being brought here as well. Uh Carrie, how much license do you have? Obviously, here is the text, and I have an interpretation uh, to know a little bit about inside the cookbook. Are you given depictions of those full page spreads, or is that up to your discretion? Um, I am. Uh, Gabriel gives me these beautiful drawings to go by. <laughs> these um, gorgeous little sketches of what to do on the pages. So he he definitely directs how each page is going to look and then uh, i work from those Mm. the as the as the art from the first page just popped up uh from the first book there's such a DD feel to it like the pictures like like you're almost looking at these classes and there's so much the skeletons and stuff like that um volume two had a very 90s vibe um, yeah. and, and I don't know if that's that some of that's the writing. Some of that is definitely the way that the pineapples are in there. Cause everything was extreme in the nineties. Um, have you thought about making pogs? Because these guys would look so good on pogs and then you can have electronic killing organism as the slammer. I just wanted to know if you've thought about pogs at all. I haven't. Ever until just now, but I think that's an amazing <laughs> idea. And Carrie would make some badass pogs. I love like pogs. I like po- I also like pins. I'm a big pin guy. So if you're making pogs, let's throw some of these things on some metal guys and let's start making some pins. That was um, so cool. The when Michael finished volume one and two, he was like, "I'm about to read these right now." And I'm like, "All right, cool." And like two hours later, he's like, "I need them as pogs," and that was the text. <laughs> Yeah, no. a, the, the the world feels so flushed out and the I want artifacts, I want trinkets, I want things from it to interact with because there's such that vibe that's in there. 
Um, Carrie, with your art, what kind of vibe are we getting with volume three? Um, I would say like, uh, I don't know. I've, I've always been described, my style's kind of always been described as a cross between like anime and American comics lost somewhere in that space. Yeah. So that's what I would think. I love that you're getting to bring that style because I, I like that the characters are so open to interpretation as we see our, our dizzy doom over there. I like that, you know, the first go around, he's very lizardy, but in volume two, he kind of feels like a gray alien the way that you see. Yeah. Like he's almost like not a lizard anymore. And volume three, I'm getting some, some wonderful Ninja Turtle vibes on that head. Absolutely, oh, yeah. bro. Absolutely <laughs> there. That's a pizza party if I've ever seen it. So I like to see the way that they all come in because, I don't know, in my kid brain, it lets me play with them in different ways. Definitely um, Saturday morning cartoon vibes, too, every time I drew them. Like, yeah. Wake yeah, up I and eat breakfast and get started. It was perfect. Yeah, so I heard, one thing uh, I wanted to know, Dave, was <clears> – <throat> What is there's pineapples on every single page? What started the love affair with pineapples? Like as a reference, at least not not even in the, the pictures, but every page you got pineapple Pete, like introduction. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, his yeah. trigun cat. In trigun, there's a cat on every page, there's a pineapple <laughs> on every page. This yeah, and then just... in every every like text dialogue is like, and then Dizzy takes a bite of the pineapple, like mid-sentence. I'm like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Okay. Um, he loves pineapples. I get this. Is that is it like the secret of is it like what's giving him power or like does he just love uh, them like I so, want to I want deeper meaning to the pineapples. So in how's my connection by the way? That's good Much now, yeah. better. You look beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> We're not censoring any spoilers now. Um, Get into it. <laughs> so in book one, if you if you notice, there's depending on what type of situation depends on depends on how big of a bite he's taking from the pineapple so sometimes it's a small bite uh sometimes if he's like not that stressed out sometimes it's a big bite if he's really stressed out um and and so it's it's more of like a nervous um tick or an excited thing and at, at, after book one um he's not on Craglodon anymore because he's now he's sailing off with Dana Deathly, uh, Fat Cat Rogers, and Shaky Spears, and they don't have the access to pineapples like they didn't. They, there's a reference about that in every book um, until they until Dizzy gets to have pineapples again, but um, but yeah, it's just it's something that will play a bigger part in the story later. But um, so it is. I do hope people are noticing that because that's really cool. But Pineapple Pete is also um, uh, he's he's a pineapple demon from the planet Pineapolis. Right. Like the fact that that is an agreed upon thing, like whatever this pineapple is, it's either it. There's a there's a definitely a power there, but there's also sort of an addiction there. So yeah. I, I, it's not going to be good. The milk is a lie, Taylor. Like I don't understand what you don't get about it. The pineapple's not going to be good. It's uh, a lot of secret. There there's a lot of clues. Like um, and poor poor Carrie because she's been such a good sport. I'm like I'm like 
uh, hey, draw the clues. Um, Don't question it. Draw the clues. <laughs> like we have to. Fat Cat Rogers sash is. It's weird to say, but like it's a very important part of the storyline. Um, and book in book two, um, we unfortunately had we had to play catch up. We were we were five months behind schedule and we had had three artists drop out from book two and it was just disastrous and we we're also switching publishers so so for book two um i had uh, armand bodner and nick nunez who did the artwork for book two um they came in those guys were heroes they they totally saved the day and so there was there was like one scene where where Fat Cat Rogers didn't have his sash, or there's only one scene where he does have his sash showing. And I wanted I wanted his sash to be to be showing in every single panel he was in. But um to save time, we did it in a way where it was like like I mean it was those guys I think they were doing I think they were doing like six pages a day and it just didn't sleep. Ooh. And it was like we were just like I, I would draw out the six page storyboards, send them over. They'd send them back. Yes. Color. And it was just like, none of us slept for like four months and, and then we got it done and it's a big book. Um, and, and so there's like in book two is the only one where it doesn't really show pineapple or um, that guy Roger sash. And like, they're looking at me like, why is it such a big deal? We don't need to draw the sash. And I'm like, well, you will see in book four why that's kind of like, there's a very huge reason why, because when people read book four, they're going to go back to Carrie's book. They're going to go back to book one. And they're going to like, be like, was he wearing the sash the whole time? Cause it, it's a direct tie in. Like it changes the story. So, um, so yeah, there's like, there's all kinds of clues and stuff that are sprinkled throughout. And there's little hints at, to how the book's going to end. There's little things the characters say that I think once people finish the whole series, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, he said this thing and this thing. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. Uh, we talked about much, much earlier, before this was even being recorded, um, uh, we were talking about One Piece. And it was funny, as, as I was watching One Piece, there was a... a one piece feels like the evolution of Popeye, like Popeye set up this world. And then one piece took that world like, Oh, okay. Well, there's the spinach, spinach fruit, but then there's also this other stuff. Yeah. So I also got sort of those vibes, especially in the art of the ship and also of fat cat Rogers in those sort of depictions. I was like, Oh, you're, you have some crazy power. I don't know what it is yet, but there's more than meets the eye. Will we get more, uh, do we get more crew members? Do we get other people that will join us? Not necessarily all over all the books, but will we get other people to populate uh, our ship? The ship, not until book seven. Ooh, ooh. Um, but um, it's but the four characters, the four crew members, are like the main. The main crew members that carry out the the story and um of the scowling scarab like they're just that's like the main crew but how can i say this um i guess this isn't really a spoiler but so the ship is alive 
I mean, it's, it's not a spoiler, but like, I never, yeah, that's a huge thing to know. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the fifth, and well, that's the fifth crew member then. That is technically the fifth crew member in this sense. It's us. like the revelation that the Millennium Falcon is actually an AI. You're like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. So there's, um, there's some stuff that goes on with that, but, um, yeah, so the characters, how the how the formula is going to go is there is like, oh, man. Okay, so there's. <laughs> I, I the, don't think you oh, should tell us this. I don't okay. think, I know what you want to do. I think you're getting, no, I think you. Plug I your ears, Michael. Plug your ears. Here. Plug your yeah. ears. There's, yeah, the four characters, It they, they need to stay being four. Mm. That's what I'm going to say. Great. They need Great. to be four. Great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like Final very, Fantasy VII. Like, you're going to have your core team until the very end when we're exactly. going to Vincent the, Valentine. Yeah. And then he's going to be a part of the story, but yes. fans are going to love him, but you're going to get mad that he wasn't there the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah, Harry, as you get brought into this marriage of this back and forth with the ideas and stuff like that, it is your job. You draw everybody. Was there any of the characters that you just w- were easy to draw, or you were always like, oh, I love drawing this person? Um, okay. So if I had to choose like a favorite is definitely Dana. She is obviously pink and super badass and awesome. But like drawing wise, uh physically, I think the most fun one to draw is actually um Wardy Morta. She has all these like mm. cool angles and curves on her and she has this really intricate nose that I like drawing. And she's always kind of hilariously evil. So there's always like a fun like ooh. I always make that face, you know, you make faces when you draw them. So I'm always yeah. making like Morty Morty's face while I'm drawing her, which is fun. <laughs> do you do it like a Disney animator from the 40s? Do you have a mirror at your desk and you do this <laughs> face and then you draw that face and you do this face and you draw this face? I don't think I want to make the faces, especially in public while I'm drawing. It just like <laughs> sure, weirdo, sure, but, sure, sure, um, sure. Even like uh, Commander EKO's face is hilarious because he's just kind of got like these little glowing dots and then this like line for her mouth. So I'll end up making like the mailbox face when I draw him. But uh... <laughs> we're going back and forth with Commander EKO. I have a question for you. It, does he talk like a baby robot? <laughs> Not, 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 not his words. I know what he says because I read what your words are. But sometimes in my mind, I pictured him sounding like a baby robot. Does he sound like a baby robot? Who are you asking about Commander Eko? No, no, no. Are you asking Carrie or me? Because oh, have different great, answers. great follow up, Carrie. What do you think he sounds like? That's so interesting. I did have like voices in my head um, for each of them. Commander EKO, I imagined kind of like a strong but goofy voice, um, like a confident, but uh, I can't think strong of anything compared to it. Like a it's almost not like a strong hmm. bad. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> like a like a zerg, like a zerg. zerg from, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Just I like a little less robot-y, a little more like, but yeah, along the same lines of that. Are zergs? That's from Starcraft, right? There, he he's from um, Toy Story. Buzz, right? Buzz Lightyear. Right? Oh, yeah. Buzz Lightyear. Okay, what's the what's the StarCraft creature that kind of has like the hood? Protoss. Is it Protoss? Protoss are like the 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 cool super aliens. advanced ones. Yeah, and it has like this echoey, crazy voice. Yeah, that's that's how I picture. Um, it's been a long time since I, I played. See that. Yeah. 
but that's how I picture um, Echo. But okay, so we're gonna assume that people have read book two. Great. Right. So if, if you haven't read great. book two, you gotta skip ahead to some point. But if you have read book two, keep listening. So here, throwing it on, throwing it on. Spoiler, Spoiler alert, everyone. Five, four, three, two, one. Um, <laughs> they didn't get the memo. There it is. <laughs> so Commander Echo is Klugus now. Right. So like in my mind, so we're, we're, we have a, um, we have an audio, a kind of like a, a radio play version of book one coming out. Um, and so in oh, my mind, that. I'm going to have, it's going to be very slight because we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of effects on the, the actor's voice. But in my mind, I would like to have Commander Echo, if possible, it's probably going to be really expensive to do this, but Commander Echo be played by a male actor in the on the first book and then from book two and on um have bring in a female actor to to then also play both like play uh put her voice on top of the male voice so it's like you're hearing klugus and echo talking the whole time yeah, like when whenever Goku and Vegeta fuse, they get you get this you get the double voices. Yeah, totally. So and and then uh, someone asked me because I was talking about this with somebody, and I'm like, well, how come if Commander Echo has assimilated all these other people, how come he doesn't have their voices? And I'm like, well, it's very simple because he's just assimilated them and like absorbed their knowledge. They're not like Klugus is literally in the suit. And that's kind of like a messed up image if you think about it, but it's a kid's book, so we're not going to show that. But it's like Klugus is like basically dead body is in that suit because uh, Commander Echo is just um, it's just an entity. He's just uh, he's just like an orb. So he just needs a host to exist to do all these things. And then obviously the suit and stuff, his armor. But so so, yeah, like inside that suit is Dizzy's best friend, which he doesn't know yet. Um, and we'll discover some of that in book three. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like it. So from, in my opinion, it's like a male voice up until like a, a computer email voice up until book two. And then I would, I picture like Klugus's voice just kind of back and forth, you know, in between just this weird hybrid. I think, it, and I, I think it'd be kind of spooky, kind of like him from, uh, uh, Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we get any Shinji Akari episodes where we're just inside the robot talking to the orb back and forth about choices. You know it. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> now listen, congratulations. <laughs> not that reference. Not yet. We're not ready for that. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, we're working there. We're working there. So um, one of the things, that I, when I was reading the books, volume one and two, I, I kept getting vibes from certain characters that obviously you probably pulled inspiration from. Um, who are their characters typically based on? Because um, I 100% feel like Dizzy is like an amalgamation of like Michelangelo from Ninja Turtles and a few other characters. Um, every time I read Dana Deathly, I kept thinking like comic book Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. Um and then, I mean, obviously with the whole dynamic between her and her mom and like the Gamora and Thanos thing, like that was kind of how I kept it was like, okay, I like this. I dig this. I, I can gel with this. 
And then Shaky Spears like reminded me like a mixture of Groot and like Etrigan the Demon from DC, just like with the poems <laughs> and all that stuff. Like, yeah, who who are your inspirations? Who did you pull from for these characters? So hopefully this isn't a cop out, um, but like the there, it's less. Not saying that I haven't pulled inspiration from characters that already exist, but it's more of I've pulled inspiration from genres. So okay. like, so Dizzy Doom is that like american indie actually not even american just indie comics in general that's why for book one i really wanted like as close to like this french abstract for his book like this almost like a mobius kind of vibe um very mtv liquid cool yeah. it reminds me a lot of not one to one but like that aeon flux kind of some of the angles on some of these things you can yeah. you can feel the you can feel that within the ether of it yeah and and so like for dizzy i wanted that uh, like you nailed it like that aeon flux uh, uh that heavy metal like these these like magical worlds that were like high like technology but they're like in the past and they're advanced but they're still writing ships and they're wearing cloaks and um and then for uh shaky spears um shaky spears oh my gosh that was like that was the hardest character for me because i knew i wanted based on her storyline um she she comes in what her when it gets to her book book uh five there's a lot of um greek and mythological references like um actually even in book there and there's a hint to this in uh carrie's book uh towards the end shaky spears is staring at a picture of the tragedy and comedy masks which will play a part later that directly ties into a story uh, her her own personal story in book five um and so um i went down a rabbit hole with her and because there was uh she's a dryad so i was trying really hard to create my own dryad mythology within the dlod universe because how how the dryads were originally created in, in Greek mythology was um, it was a little unclear. There's like a lot of different versions how the dryads came to be. So I came up with this concept that um, fairies created the dryads and fairies were born out of stars and they fairies brought the first light into the universe. And then they were sad because they were alone and fairies tears would fall on the ground and from those tears dryads would spring out of the ground so that's where shaky spears comes from and again that that's explored later it's not really like a spoiler it's just as you learn more about her character um and she took an oath to uh she was forced into taking this oath to only speak in poetic verse so that's why it's like i, I feel like the characters come from more of like a a genre so shaky spears okay. shakespearean you know kind of thing and dana deathly um is the reason i sought out carrie because um, i was like i have to have your artwork for this book because dana deathly is very much this mix it's exactly what carrie does uh, she personifies dana deathly the best it's just like this this mixture of like american comics with anime and manga 
and um, that's what she represents. And uh, you know, back at Rogers is like the swashbuckling era and all that stuff. So um, yeah, um, Carrie got. I was like, you you nailed Dana Deathly. That's like all you need to do. And then she just like kept nailing like all the other characters. And it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's funny how the art style does uh, influence that. Cause when I read that first one, I'm like, this should be a card game. This all feels like magic, the gathering cards, this like, right. Like, it's like, yo, this is, you could just, that guy, that's a, that's a one, one red creature that like did some fireball, something that's a blue creature in the background. Um, and with your work, carry it's like oh i want a fighting game i want a i want a 32-bit fighting game i want to see the i want all of these characters in Skullgirls. i want to like do quarter circle forward punch and see what happens <laughs> here i gotta find hold that hold that uh picture up really quick again yeah yeah let's see i'm gonna show you something oh <laughs> <laughs> so do it again. It blacked out. <clears throat> Let's see. Hold on. Decline. Oh, my gosh. All right. I'm going to come back to it. Let's get back. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll circle back. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I actually, I love that explanation because like, like I can feel a lot of these vibes from other things, but it doesn't feel like it's any one thing. Um, and that's what I thought was so cool about it. Um, I also feel like you nailed the... The genre of video game tutorials. There's all these movies that are trying to do video games, but it something is getting lost in that experience. But in the text version of it, especially when you're like, "Keep going, you'll get an achievement," and stuff like that, that all feels very much within that genre. And these text boxes popping up, and the dialogue coming, and we and we're panning in that way. Um, did a really great job of incorporating that in there and i feel like that doesn't necessarily translate to other mediums but you were able to channel that voice in this one really well um and uh i like so much you know your character select screens and stuff like that it is a little bit of all of these different things that are influencing them and i'm glad that you're able to bring in this wonderful array of talent to interpret these things because every interpretation gives sort of a different vibe or flavor to it that's awesome Thank you, dude. Uh, Carrie, what are not your influences, but what are things that you like to draw? What are the things that you find yourself constantly doodling in corners and on receipts and on the list of things to get from the grocery store? Um, I'd say it's kind of interesting because it's either like fully one direction or the other. I like drawing really kind of high energy bombastic fight scenes and bright colors but then i also like drawing really toned down moments so like um i'll have this picture of i don't know two people fighting in a battle and kind of drawing out the motion of that whole battle but then i'll also draw somebody like oh i'm going to the store to get milk and then like a nice serene background or them kind of just chilling so it's either one way or the other. There's really no in the middle. Uh, that's the most anime answer I've ever heard. I either want to see Goku <laughs> punching someone in the face or he's on the farm like eating a carrot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you watch a lot of My Hero Academia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Love it. Uh, when you think of 
action then when you see those things in your head do you feel the is it the image or is it the fault do you think about the conclusion of it and then like pulling it back or where does that where does that image spark from so everything everything i draw is kind of a movie in my head and it's my duty to get that motion on paper so nothing should seem stiff it should always keep going and moving the whole time so like there's a i want impacts i think impacts are really important you want to be able to feel like the density of something happening in a fight scene and then like like i'd mentioned before with drawing really toned back scenes um there's something like special about somebody having a coca-cola on the side of a beach and there's like there's a density in that too so to capture it in both ways is really important well, and the second of those two ways that you just said is the most difficult. You know, I feel like you, they they talk about with cooking shows all the time. It's like, oh, this is the best grilled cheese I've ever had. There's nothing, you know all the ingredients. It's just the best fucking grilled cheese because there's nothing to hide behind. I feel like those drawings and stuff like that, it's like you either convey that image or you don't. You know what I mean? It either resonates with you or it doesn't. And as I was flicking through your Instagram before you popped on, I was like, wow, so many of these images resonate with me. There's something about that action. Oh, awesome. It's like having those moments to breathe, I think, are very important too, um, which I, <clears throat> which uh, Michael and I, we were talking about this yesterday. We kind of talked about this before the show, but I had convinced Michael to finally sit down and watch uh, the Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition, the long, the longer cut. Didn't want to watch it. Was not watch ex- it was not excited to do so. Had yeah. had gross taste in my mouth from the other version of it that I had seen. Right, and so at the the end of the movie, when Superman dies, um, one of the biggest changes that they made for the director's cut was the breathing moment, where yeah. they had like like four minutes of just like solemn music and just showed the streets empty, showed everything empty, and like those breathing moments allow you to internalize like the holy shit moment of what just happened or, oh my God, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And those moments are significantly important and very hard to pull off, which is pretty cool when you actually are able to nail it. Yeah. I think those are the most important things people look for. Like when you watch anime mm-hmm. and somebody says, this is a good anime and the plot could be very whatever. But if you have um, an animator and a director who knows their timing really well and knows their color theory well, you know, it's just a, like candy to look at and experience. Uh, uh, everything that you just said, the uh, Demon Slayer just hits all of those boxes. I was boxes just thinking about me. that. Yes. <laughs> the colors, the action, the movement. It's just like you just take handfuls of it at a time, and it's never enough. It always, at the end of every episode, you're like, what do you mean it's over? I thought there was going to be. <laughs> yeah. But the, just those gobbling up of those things. Yeah. I was going to. I was gonna say too on that on that note of letting things breathe. Um, there's a really cool scene that, like, I think might be one of my f- favorite scenes from any Dilad thing so far. In in book three, is where there's a <clears throat> there's a character. Um, there, there's a scene where the characters have to. The heroes have to hurt everyone else's ears. They have to like play a guitar really loud to hurt everyone else's ears. And so I kept going back and forth on like how to communicate what was going on. And um, Carrie and I came up with this concept of like 
basically what's going to happen is when that guitar is struck it's going to be only artwork no you're breaking up again no i'm gonna stop you because this you're, you're making a real punk rock image but you've completely frozen on us and i want to know the answer i want to know maybe it's considered a spoiler yeah maybe that's what like it is like an auto yeah the, the universe the, the doesn't want us to know yeah it's, I, these are the answers we do want to have <laughs> yeah. Is no, we're waiting. We're waiting. You're just going like, like, ah, oh, it's killing me. To get like, back. I want to know now. <laughs> yeah, listen. This is the and take this one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, no. We got none of your answer. We got none of your answer. But just so you know, it's not like you have to re-explain bits of it. You have to re-explain all of it. <laughs> How much? Am I back? You You're back. back now. I'm As back. of now, uh, yes. You and okay. Carrie were able to show uh, music attacking people's ears. What yes. was the what was the spark that uh, not the spark? Explain that thing again. How did you convey <laughs> that? What was that process like? When the guitar is hit, um, the the energy from the guitar goes into the the enemy's eardrums, you know, basically. And the the characters, the heroes, are wearing earmuffs, so they're not affected by the loudness of the guitar. And I wanted to figure out like how we could portray that where it's it feels loud, like you know, in a movie, like Hurt Locker or something like that, when like a grenade goes off and it's just like a beep for like a couple minutes. Um, we decided to go to only artwork, no text. So it's just quiet, like you're not reading anything. So it's just quiet. And it's just Carrie's artwork for I think like, it goes on for a minute, right? Like six pages. I think it's six pages of only artwork, no speaking. And then we're gonna have like a beep at the, at the bottom of the page that just is like following all these different pages. And then, Carrie puts only like one or two colors on the on the first scene that goes into that. Then she adds a color and she keeps adding a color until it slowly goes rolls back into the story and the the characters can start are alive again and they're you know they're they're speaking again. So I think and how that came out because I've like I've put it on my computer and I've like looked at with the the text and like how it came out. It just, it's so cool. It's like, I think one of the coolest parts. It looks really awesome. It was a good move. Well, you're, you're playing with the full form of this visual medium now and to give so much of, and to allow your artists to help convey these ideas and to also, you know, have to break down the problem of like, how do we show silence in a way, but still convey action? Cause right, right. uh, There is a, um, and it's why it, when I'm reading these things, it leads to all of these images in my mind. You really do paste these things in a way. And then when you have these full page art, like you did at the end of volume two, which also, you know, you feel this buildup and then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, there's just, now we're in it. Like now we're just going to like do this thing. We're going to have this whole thing. Well, um, you can talk about it. Cause we said, we said, so what, what part specifically? Oh, are you- okay. So yeah, at yeah. this let's, point, let's, we're talking let's... about what these what these wonderful Jedi, these last two Jedi that are left in this universe. And we don't really know what they can do. We have an idea of their powers, but haven't really seen it. He chops down that pineapple and he turns into a Megazord where 
<laughs> you're expanding upon not only what this individual is, because now there's not just like an organicness to it. It's like a much, it's like, oh, there is something else in this DNA, like a transformer or a go-bot. There's other things here. So when you see the scale of that and your text goes away and you just feel the weight of this Pacific Rim battle as we see our, our monkey Barbatos, because that third monkey head is coming around just like we were talking about. Um, and you see like, oh, the weight and which that these conflicts are going to happen. They can not only happen in action sequences of running away and stuff like that. And I'm sure we'll have intimate fights, but to then blow it up and be like, no, no, what we're talking about, the scale of these things happening is at a Pacific rim level. Like, and eventually this conflict is going to go, but like, Oh, I could destroy your planet. Pineapple bite. Blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> to have that flip. Cause beforehand, uh, everyone is reading these. There's some people that are reading them like this. I read them on a computer. So as I would read and do this dialogue, I would then look at the picture and then go back and kind of synthesize both. So when you go and move into a full art, which I'm super excited that happens in volume three, you just go into the world even further and you're like, oh boy, here it comes. Like, right. This is just us in this thing, discovering these things. And, uh, that balances a, a, a great tightrope. Uh, uh, do other characters then also go Super Saiyan 4 immediately when they battle? Are we going to see, does everybody else have sort of these abilities or are their powers going to um, manifest in different ways? Remember how I said at the beginning of this that <sighs> there needs to be four of the heroes? Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Yes. Great. They, they don't really know that yet. But yes, sure. yeah. yeah. So, okay. So you know the Shokunin symbol <laughs> in, in book one. Uh, and your symbols are really, uh, really great. Uh, when I saw that, yeah, I instantly got. Um, I just read the Dark Tower trilogy, the little Katet sign. I don't know if you've ever read that. Oh, yeah. There's a symbol in there, and I was like, oh, here we go again. Here's something that's gonna be blown out to everything. <laughs> So on the left, the top left of that symbol is strength. Um, on the top right is knowledge. On the bottom is love. And in the middle is the energy that holds all of those three things together. And that's the way of the Shakunin. So, so like Dana Deathly is a very strong character. Uh, Shaky Spears is a very knowledgeable character. Um, Fatcat Rogers is a very, like, he, he, his whole thing is love. And, like, he learns how to do that. He stops himself from doing that. And once he lets that go, and Dizzy Doom is the positive force that's holding all three of those characters together. And that is going to play a huge role in how all this turns out. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, is there <laughs> a negative force where if we take that symbol and flip it this way, well, now it's the send the sun that is setting. And yeah, then it's, and like then the it's, I'm sorry. 
Are you hacking my computer? Okay, great. I apologize. I apologize. Okay. So, your imagery is so great, and you're playing with all of these things. And even the way that you are presenting this idea of yours, it's coming in multimedia forms. There's music to it. There's, there's, it's coming in all these different ways. So, why would I also not assume that the things on the paper are not being looked at in a three dimensional way as well? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, before we jump into, before we let Michael, uh, Grab any more spoilers and pull more info out of you. I didn't make it to. I was just thinking where these things go. And there's there's yeah, so, so much to it. build off of. Okay, stop okay, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, one last thing that I wanted to bring up, which uh, kind of took uh, the Snyder Cut community by storm, was the announcement that Ray Porter is writing the introduction to this book. Um, yes. I'm not going to uh, read any of it because I loved it and I want people to experience it when they read it for the first time. Um, you said at the beginning before we started the show that when you talked to Ray, when you got all that stuff in there, he understood the assignment and he delivered gold. And <laughs> yes, um, tell me a little bit about it. Like, don't don't say what it is. Let's not go into that because um, people are expecting like Ray to be like narrating it or something. But no, he wrote something, and that is yeah. the big thing: is he wrote something fantastic. Uh, yeah, he also just a hero of mine. I mean. Um... All the stuff he's done, Sons of Anarchy, all the voice work. It was really funny. I read the, uh, I I read the four hour work week, uh, like a couple of years ago, which he narrates. Um, so that was just kind of a cool little tie in there. So I've been familiar with this stuff for a long time. And then, um, when I found out he was Dark Side, I was like, oh man, this is this is so cool. Um, but yeah, he he was he's such a gentleman. He was such a kind, he's such a kind man. Like I, he made me feel like I was doing something incredible. Like I was doing something worth people, like worth reading, worth, worth uh, people's time. And I mean, of course I feel that way or else I wouldn't be doing it. But, um, you know, I think it's a story that needs to be told, but at the same time, like, you don't know, you know, I'm, I'm still an, uh, a creative at the end of the day. And you have, you know, 10 people telling you, you suck. And that's all you really hear. And for him to like, take the time and, and meet with me and he actually read, so don't get jealous, but he actually read books one through three. So he, he, he got to read all three books. Um, and it was only in manuscript form. And then I sent him a ton of the artwork like whatever I had, I just like dumped it in a file for him. So, cause I, I wanted him to see, I wanted him to talk about Carrie too. Like I wanted him to like see Carrie's artwork. So like I sent him the manuscript and then I said, Hey, look, like I know it's not put together, but, and I numbered all the pages for him. I was like, if you want to like, I know it's a lot of extra work, but if you want to see what's happening in the scene, this is what it looks like. So I sent him everything I had um, from Carrie at that point. And it was just, it was just awesome. He was like, uh, I feel like I can say this because it, you know, it wasn't like, um, we had a very, we had a very open conversation, but you know, we, we talked about a lot of things. Um, and, but he was basically like, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was looking for a nice way to tell Hussein who, who did the introduction for me. Um, uh, I was looking for a nice way to tell Hussein, like, no, nah, this isn't really for me. <laughs> and then he was like, 
and because he did he didn't read it yet and he was like i was looking at it and i was like yeah i don't know you know and and then so he's like we well, you know let me just give it a shot and then he he read it and he was like so i could smell the caves and i could like hear the characters walking i could hear their footsteps i could see the stars i could see the ships moving and he was like i was totally just there for the ride and i was like trying to not cry during the meeting because i'm like what just happened and i hope he watches this i hope he um i hope he watches this episode i'm he's a very busy man so i don't know if he will or not but but yeah i just um i mean eternally grateful so if you're watching this dude um thank you so much i've already said thank you but just that that just meant the world to me like it made me feel like i could do anything if i was like dude this guy who's been a hero of mine for a very long time um is who was getting ready to be like yeah not gonna do it but i'm gonna give it the time of day because hussein's a friend and i'm gonna send it you know i'm gonna read it and then he was like holy shit i mean he kind of he kind of says that in in the introduction too a little bit um but he was like this is a ride like it's gonna take you for a ride like d-lot's pretty wild so um but yeah i uh yeah that guy that guy's a legend such a gentleman well, after reading it, after you sent it to me, you were like, you were so excited. You sent this to me like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Like, I need to send this to you. I need you to read this. And <laughs> I read it and I was just like, oh my God, he, like he did it. Like he, he it wasn't like he just took the the job and, and pen, like phoned something in. No, he, I could tell from the way he wrote it, he loved what he read. And you can see that in the text. And it was so cool. And I, and I really hope when fans open up this book and see that page and get to read it, they just see how much Ray loved it. Cause it was, it was honestly, I was like, holy crap, this is so cool. And I love the analogies and I love what he's saying. And I want him to narrate my life. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's so good. It's so good. So, well, um, there, there may, him and I talked about doing something in the future too, uh, D-Lod related. So there may be, he may come back at some capacity. Uh, so. I hope so. I mean, I, every time I read these these two first two volumes that you that you gave me, um, I I want to see more. I want to see it all. I want to see it in comic form. I want to see it in animated form. I want to see it on like my TV, in in all its weirdness. I want to <laughs> see, I want to see video games. I want to see like I want to play it as a game. Like I want to I, I want all of that. And I I absolutely love that. It's like you've captured lightning in a bottle bottle here. And this wow. like I don't think people have quite realized what you've got. And I think maybe later on the line, it's going to explode and it's going to, I, I'm all for it. It's so good. Thank you, man. Thank you guys so much. I enjoy the line of many of the things that resonate for me with my childhood were things that were for me, but were written for a higher intelligence. And I feel that many of those, I feel like that also shines its head here as well. These things are happening on multiple different levels. And if you're not reading it, I, you know, Connect with it. Find another way to connect with it because there's a lot going on on these pages and in these texts. <laughs> That's uh, wow. <laughs> thank you guys. Well, uh, thank you guys for both joining us. Um, thank you, uh, Carrie. Thank you, Gabe, for uh, 
taking an hour and, and some change with us and talking about book three. Which... More than an hour. More than an hour at this point. <laughs> yeah. They've been here a um... lot longer than you guys think they've been here. They've been very yeah. wonderful with their time. No, we started this. I think we were we were shooting the shit for like 45 minutes before we actually started recording. And we're like, why aren't we recording? This is Yeah, wonderful. well, that was, you know, that was a problem. But that's fine. Yeah. We weren't recording then. We said we weren't recording. We meant it. Nothing got yeah. recorded. We're fine. Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> it would have been fun, though. I have a two-hour-long show of us just talking about One Piece and, and, and gunning <laughs> for a bit. Like, that was that would have been great. But thank you again. Um, uh, volume 3, Dana Deathly, is now launched on Kickstarter. We are... Um, we're throwing it up here. Uh, if you guys have a QR, if you guys want to scan it, QR code in the top corner, just scan that thing. Um, go right to the page and uh, back the project. I mean, get in, get on it on the ground floor. It's going to release a lot quicker than y'all think, and it's going to be in your hands. And we're going to just uh, get along for this ride. Um, thank you guys again. You guys, uh, anything else you want to uh, say before we head out? Space mermaids, um, dryads. Lizard Wizards, Zombie Ninjas, Cyborg Cat Pirates, and Pineapple Demons. Pineapples, I was going to say. It has it, it, has oh, you, it all. You sold me at Space Mermaid, so I'm ready for the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for joining us on another episode of the Culture Nerd Podcast. Uh, if you want to support us and our channel, go ahead and hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash theculturednerd. Um, I am your host, Taylor Murphy, my co-host, Michael Santel. Um, our two Patreon supporters, Wesley H. and Oscar B., thank you for uh, helping us keep the lights on. And uh, thank you for joining us today. You can uh, scan the QR code there, hit us up on any social media platform, or uh, you can just uh, tune along next week when we drop another new show. Thank you all again. Okay, bye.